if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboys! It's a fanboy planet podcast! And here's your host, Derek McCaw! Thank you, Nate. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com, and we are podcasting on, oh golly, what day is today? Wednesday? The 18th. The 18th of June. We always have to give that date just in case some news breaks. It is a... About 3.30 on Wednesday afternoon, so anything that happens after 4.30, we are not not responsible to know. So uh, we're here to talk uh, about all kinds of things, but first of all, let's uh, identify the other members of the podcast, which, by the way, we are at the fabulous Brett Cave. My man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa. And across, the podcast producer and generous host. It's Rick Brett Snyder, and it's cool inside. Yes, and should we all talk about ourselves in third person? It is. It is. It is cool in here. Thank you. Um, and, and lovely drinks, it's like but a, non-alcoholic. That's, remember where they used to say that on the front of theaters and stuff? It's cool inside. Like, that was a bonus. Now it's like, yeah. uh, We're Better destroying cool the environment inside. inside yeah. By <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah one and I don't actually remember when that was a thing, though. I think no? it was pre-my literacy. Oh, no. Yeah, 60s, definitely. I mean, I'm sure there were scenes. Well, we talked about that, about Century 21 being received. So let us talk. We got some comics news. We got some movie news. We got some television news. And just general geekery, I really think, is how to put it, because there's so much crossover and so much thing. Yeah. But first, before I forget it, I get to say that um, I, I just got confirmation at San Diego Comic-Con this summer. We cannot yet tell you when, but I can tell you that that uh, will be uh, writing and hosting the Pro Fan Trivia Contest this year at San Diego Comic-Con. What? Unless Mark Wade chooses to compete. In which case, then I will be going head-to-head against Mark Wade in the Pro Fan Trivia qu- Contest. And I'm going to say... I will be creamed. So I'm hoping <laughs> that he won't, except I know what the topics are, so I have time to research for the next month. But anyway. Uh, so you're go- you say we, but you're you're going to be writing the... I'm going to be writing, and if, if Mark Wade competes, then there's an alternate set of questions that I do not have access to mm. uh, being, being written uh, simultaneously. So um, I'm going to propose... Depending on when that is, if it stays where it was last year, but I, we don't know. We're told, told by Comic-Con not to say uh, that uh, it, it provides a perfect opportunity to say, if you're a Fanboy Planet podcast listener, come to that panel, and then we'll just go to the gas lamp and hang out at an actual one of those uh, Fanboy Planet hangout things. I would go. I know. But. But. You're not you're, actually. You, I, there's so you're many. You're going th- to London. There's so many things going on in San Diego. I almost, if I had thought to go ahead and get a hotel, I almost could have 
gone and been doing stuff all around town instead of going I know in that there. is true uh, that is true except now if you get, get a hotel you'll be 50 miles away from uh, yeah. from the convention I mean center. back when Yeah I no no no, no. Yeah. I mean and that and that is the thing and we say about Comic-Con is there's so much going on I mean I assume Nerd HQ is still happening and that has actually yeah. nothing to do with uh, with, with Comic Con and the other one would be uh, Geek and Sundry. Last year, Geek and Sundry ran a completely uh, a site completely off the convention center grounds, and anybody could go in to to that too. So there are plenty of opportunities. At midnight is going to do a live recording in San Diego that week, uh, as well as the Thrilling Adventure Hour is going to uh, oh, team yeah. up with Welcome to Night Vale uh, wow. and do theirs at the uh, Spreckles Theater. Which I, I, which is like half a mile away from the convention center. So, yeah. um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of stuff exactly that is happening that has not. Well, it does have to do with Comic Con, but Comic Con does not control it. So, yeah. But the trick, as you say right now, is getting a place to stay. And I mean, because I've been dealing with uh, a, a friend of mine who's a uh, was a shall we say a film star of of certain repute in the '70s, who um, is going to be an autograph. Alley for the first time, which I guess I can go go ahead and say, you know, and um, and he was asking me last week, like, you know, well, what about a hotel? Uh, and uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he got a place about fifteen miles away. Yeah. And he said, so I'll just drive in, and then I went, no, <laughs> no. you won't. Um, you're gonna need to take a cab. <laughs> it know? might be cheaper to like rent a small yacht. And, we, well, you know, my my theory the- might be that if, and I don't know for sure, but if you are a guest of Comic Con in the sense of mm-hmm. they they approached him, asked him if he'd come to Autograph Alley. Right. Um, they may have. They a bank might of have rooms. underground, yeah. uh, or they have a bank of uh, of uh, parking spaces. Ah, that's uh, you true. Know, because when when the summer that um, I did the booth for uh, Greatest American Hero, we did have one parking space. Allotted, we were allowed to go. Uh, yeah, they've definitely got. They, I mean, you're always seeing the the cavalcade of esplanades and stuff going in and out of that place. I like that a cavalcade of esplanades. That's actually what you call multiple esplanades is a cavalcade. Well, clearly, uh, or a cavalcade of uh, a cavalcade. of escalades. Uh, <laughs> when you cav- say esplanades, are you talking about escalades? No, there's an Esplanade. Is a, is, a, is another SUV? Yeah. I think oh, is so. it? Okay. Yeah. There's the Escalades and there's the and there's the Esplanades. Yeah. So I've never I think you would just name the podcast. <laughs> I know that's what. Well, that's why I was repeating it because I think yeah. the title came in. It's a cavalcade of Esplanades, leading us to geek goodness. I hope uh, we're right on this. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so um, let's let's talk a little bit of comic news. And and Rick and I were talking before the podcast and realized. Oh, this news has actually kind of been available on the web yeah. for a couple of weeks, but because I don't, we're think, all scratching our heads about it. But I don't think anybody was paying attention because of where it was announced. Uh, you know, you had to be an insider, which is that uh, the Edgar. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how the Edgar Rice Burroughs Foundation. What do they call themselves? Uh, you know, the, the holding company that yeah. basically owns the rights to Tarzan and John Carter of ERB Mars, Inc. and yeah, and Carson of Venus, Pellucidar, all that. Um, they had settled with Dynamite, which had been, which had been produ- producing a comic book called Warlord of Mars and Deja Thoris, uh, Princess of Mars. Right. Um, and they have a book called Lord of the Jungle. Uh, that ERB had settled with them and decided, yes, they can now officially go forward. And it's not, it's not considered like, oh, you're operating outside the copyright laws. It is now an officially licensed book. But what the uh, website announced at ERB is that they've also... And I had no idea. I did, and before you saw that, did you have an idea that there were? Before I saw that latest article, yeah, 
I had seen Richard Starking uh, post something about posted it. Okay. on Facebook, and I'd looked at it, but I, I, I'm i going, well, this is interesting. Some, it looks like it's reprint. We're no, building up suspense. Yeah. They're running digital comics of, uh, and at least the first four chapters of, of several of them are free. They're running digital comics, web comics, basically, on their uh, on their website of almost every major Edgar Rice Burroughs property you can think of. So they announced that they're doing John Carter of Mars, written by Roy Thomas, who must be like doing cartwheels. I don't know if he can do cartwheels, but uh, he must be because it's uh, you know he, he's he, writing cartwheels. He's writing about three or four of the Edgar Rice Burroughs things, and of course Roy Thomas is the guy who's writing Conan, and he's basically getting to make all his childhood uh, heroes. Keep going. And I think I think Roy Thomas wrote the John Carter uh, World of Mars stuff for Marvel I'm pretty sure he too. Did. Yeah, you know, so it's a guy with a long, long, long association uh, and a South American artist, or it appeared to be, and the style seemed to be. Uh, but they're, they're running a Korak strip. There's a Pellucidar strip. There's a, a the ones that Carson of Venus, right here. Carson of Venus, uh, Korak the Killer, the Mucker, which has been one of my favorites for a long time, Land That Time Forgot, Tarzan of the Apes, Carson of Venus, Eternal Savage. War Chief, Tarzan, Cave Girl, and Pellucidar. More than I knew. Yeah. I didn't know the Mucker. I knew the Lands of Time have, for God. They have samples of each one okay. on their main site. Yeah, so what is the site there? What is the site is www.edgarriceburrows.com slash comics. Period.com? Burrows.com. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he was dictating to Siri as he I was am. doing this. I am, I am. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Are you sure this is just water you That's have? It's just carbonated water. water. Sure it is. Scotch. And vodka. Uh, <laughs> scotch would have a color. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. Oh, look at him. That's the white scotch. <laughs> Go ahead. I've been... No, I haven't been to Scotland, but they're all pretty white. Uh, so anyway, uh, that... Uh, yeah, it's just interesting because this is separate from... They're also talking about that the new Dynamite series is coming and all that. And so it's just interesting to, to check it out. There's so many digital comics. If you're an Edgar Rice Burroughs fan, I just had no idea. So it, 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 the news was kind of breaking today on a lot of the fan sites. This is the weirdest website ever. I went to the – they've got a video tab on it. And the first thing is, Katy Perry wins Billboard Music Award underneath Edgar Rice Burroughs and all this other stuff. I'm confused by I, that. I'm a little confused by this. And this is why we were all scratching our heads looking at this for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you realize this. Ooh, trailer it, for Atheris Core graphic novel. novel. Okay, video. see? Uh, yeah. That's Pellucidar. So uh, there it is. That uh, I mean, you didn't know that Edgar Rice Burroughs had actually created Carrie, Katy Perry uh, in one of his 3D early, trailer for... Uh, the, oh, for that the uh, animated film. I don't know that animated film's flying because, again, Warner sure Brothers weird. is doing... Yeah, um, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, so go there and have fun. But kids. I'm going to stay with Dynamite because just breaking news. This was just announced this afternoon. Dynamite in DC, which uh, Nate and I in particular, and I think by now you probably read it, the Batman Green Hornet, Batman sixty six Green Hornet crossover, right? Uh, by Kevin Smith and Ralph so Garman, good. so good. Uh, and Ty Templeton on art is now they're they're following up with another team up. Mm. Mm, can you guess? What dynamite property is going to work? You'll never guess. I Batman? know the answer to this. No, no, no. It's not Batman. It's not Batman. But I think I think they probably know. So it's not the Green Hornet and Batman. Is either no. one of those? Again. No, no, no. I, I'm drawing blank. Okay. Sim- very similar characters uh, to the Green Hornet and Batman. Zorro. Oh yes, I saw this. I and Django Unchained. Yes. 
Uh, Quentin Tarantino is approving a crossover between Zorro and Django, and he's saying it is a, the calling it the official sequel to Django Unchained, I with Matt Wagner writing. So uh, excellent, yeah, it's an excellent. Uh, that's fascinating. I didn't read. Uh, Nate, did you the Vertigo adaptation of Django Unchained? I, I kind of meant to pick it up, but the first issue sold out, and I just haven't seen if they'd done a trade on it. So. You did. Was yes, it good? I read it. It was great. It was uh, it was basically based on the screenplay, so it was a little bit different from the movie, but a lot of it was very similar to the movie, and I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I and did I too. really enjoyed the book. Great, cool. So I, I, that's I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and the other thing, of course, we've been talking about Titan books quite a bit because of the uh, the Philip Last Jose Kingdom Farmer and. We were talking about the comics, about the comics oh, that they're doing The Last yeah. Kingdom. You picked those up. Yes. And, of course, they're doing uh, – they just licensed 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctor Doctor Who comics coming soon. Yep. Uh, and then they announced coming – well, I just not announced just that it is coming on June 25th in just two weeks. Alien Legion on Civil War, number one, with, uh, I guess, the original creators, but it's not how I remember it. Uh, Chuck Dixon, Larry Stroman, and Carl Potts. I thought Frank Scirocco was in there somewhere. I think he came later. Did he? Okay, yeah. so that's because uh, I know you, you're friends with uh, some of the people uh, with some people create uh, Layla Dowling, and uh, so I can pick Layla Dowling out of a crowd. Oh, okay, we're not friends. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I have apologize. a great appreciation for her work, and she's a darling person. Well, apparently, her parents live on the same street as I do. Oh, nice. So uh, my mom had gone to a party and come back. And she said, oh, I talked to Layla Dowling. And she said, there's a, hand, and, there's a pencil drawing she did. And here's the connection, though. I said, and her husband is Frank Sirocco. And she, so my yes. mom said, I came back from this party. She comes back from this party. And she says, um, there's, um, uh, Layla has a, a husband named Frank. And I went, wait, Frank Sirocco? And she goes, yeah. And he's trying to get his book going again, something about... There are aliens, uh-huh. and there's a legion, uh, <laughs> alien legion. It's like a, it's like a kids in the hall right, sketch. Right. It's Citizen Kane. It's Citizen Kane. Um, <laughs> He's a citizen. No, that's not and it. That's not no. it. You know, yeah. No, he dresses as his mother, and he stabs everybody. He's a psycho, psycho. No, that's citizen not Kane. it. Citizen Kane starts with a with an S. Um, you know, so come on the wind. So anyway, it's coming in a couple of weeks, so it's a revival because I know I think you had said that, that you like Alien Legion better than Legion of Superheroes. Oh yeah, so I thought it was definitely, definitely noteworthy that deeper, it's deeper, more interesting characters. Well, all right, we'll agree to disagree. Okay, um, only because I'm just a huge Legion fan. Uh, oh, and here's a clue onto that pro fan trivia. You know that it's Hawkeye's 50th anniversary. He doesn't look a day over 40. Yeah, yeah. Well, Black Widow. Keeps you young, yeah. No, I mean, no. The, when they first showed up, he was like the carny, carny yeah. arrow guy, and she was just a slink. She was like, she like a spirit villainous. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that an actual noun? A slink? Yeah, she's a, a slink. Uh, like it's a, you know, a slinky. I get that. I'm just no, I, but I, we're I, not I, a grammar think, girl podcast. I think, so I'm not I gonna... think I heard it. I heard heard it with respect to spirit, uh, like Pigel and um, mm, a slink, a slink, a minx. No, a slink. That's another a minx works too, but I think a slink uh, yeah, was yeah uh, okay. <laughs> Nate dictionary dot com right now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's valid. <laughs> what are you saying? There's a problem with dictionary dot com on the internet. Uh, Wikipedia then that's even more valid. Oh yeah. Uh, so go Urban Dictionary. That's entertaining at least. So we have uh, we have news on, on last week. I think we talked about this uh, crossover project. Uh, not sorry, not crossover. 
the the Band Aid Project from DC, for lack of a better term, or this I don't think they're calling it the Band Aid Project. It's just sort of like to cover when they move from the right. East Coast to West Coast. Uh, they've announced some creators, uh, Fabian, and, and no real surprises to me. Uh, Fabian Nichezza, David Gallagher, Adam Beechin, who had written Teen Titans a, w- a while back, but hasn't been working for DC for a while. Larry Hama, Marv Wolfman, Dan Abnett, Len Wein, and Jeff Parker. Jeff Parker's normally doing uh, Batman 66, so again, a good people with a sense of different times in DC history. Yeah. And one of the reasons now is the rumor is that uh, what's going to happen in those two months is a crossover slash clash between the new 52 heroes and the previous versions of them. So that out there is a pre... My eyes just crossed. ...is a pre-Flashpoint. Well, no, because look, let's face it, wouldn't you rather see those heroes back <laughs> I anyway? Would. I would. Watch the sales shoot up! And by Band-Aid, we mean shot of adrenaline. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only noun I can find for slink... Mm-hmm. <laughs> is a prematurely born calf or other animal. That's probably not what Rick meant. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a Damon Runyas kind of kind of term. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um well, she, they walk like they're on coils. Uh, that walks downstairs alone and in pairs. Blinky. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's the, uh, you know, so that's interesting that they're going back to that, which, to be honest, I think New 52 lasted longer than I thought it was going to. I figured, because remember that Legion Lost had like a, or not Legion Lost, whatever the, whatever the Legion in the 21st century title was that got canceled very early on. That was on. Legion Lost. Was that Legion Lost? Yeah. Um, that it definitely had, there was like, they said there was the Flashpoint barrier. had been taken. Yeah. <laughs> There was a flashpoint barrier in time, and so it was It was very clear that they were giving themselves an escape right, route right, when right. they started. And I think that's been the disappointment. I think we mentioned that about like the Trinity of Sin and everything was, in Flashpoint, you were getting the sense that Pandora was building up to something bigger yes. that just never has happened. Nothing. Because if it's the crime syndicate, as, as enjoyable as Forever Evil was, right. if the crime syndicate was the reason that she had to pull everything together. Well, the, the whole thing was, like, she obviously was existing through Flashpoint and potentially yeah. from before Flashpoint. So, but does the current one have memories of the world before Flashpoint? Or, well, and, and, been, and that's certainly that's not been, been and, any kind of... Well, uh, and then and this talks to editorially. I can't remember which creator, or it may have been someone who would not go on the record, but said, like, whatever it is, we don't think the Anti-Monitor actually has anything to do with it uh-huh. for this two-month thing. Because actually, when Jeff Johns revealed the anti-monitor, that came as a surprise to just about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, which goes back to the idea, I don't think that DC Editorial is, and I'm not saying this is an insult, I'm saying this to make it all better, yeah. is not the well-oiled machine that they'd have you think, as opposed to, I think Marvel is. Oh, and yeah. maybe that's why I'm enjoying Marvel more, as I feel at least... If you're going in a direction that I'm not agreeing with uh, or that I'm not enjoying, at least I understand why you did it or it's not – there's a reason for it. You know, you know I, got that, I got that feeling when I, I, I'm going to drop the fact that I've been in both of their offices yes. now. And the D.C. offices, they're all like clo- – everybody's got their own office, closed doors and everything. And it's, it's like, you yeah. know, I'm sure they fire memos back and forth and get coffee and stuff. But the Marvel offices were like – 
all open cubes, and the editors were working together in offices, and there, there was stuff. It was like yeah. you could really see the vibrancy of what was coming together in the next couple of months. And so That's interesting. When, when I was trying to find people, they were able to spot them across the but room. But my recollection of your articles, you you know, way back when, and, yeah. and check them out on Vampire Planet, they're there. And occasionally we get a lot, we do get hits, especially on the DC one, because yeah. that office is going away, um, is that the DC offices felt more fun if you were an outsider. Yes. They, I mean, they're definitely, they were definitely. It was more corporate synergy. Yeah. There, were, there was more art on, there was more, it was more prestige. Yeah. Whereas Marvel was just frantic chaos, just like <laughs> there was there was not no empty wall space. Whereas the DC hallway with all the logos and stuff, it was kind of like you felt like you were walking through history, and yeah. that was what uh, you know more fun, more impressive. But yeah. I can easily see but the I'd say difference that in, in editorial style from an outsider's point of view. More impressive, yeah. but maybe internally, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, once again, just on the outside chance, any of them want to hire any of us, especially Nate. The most, you know, pressingly looking for a job. We don't know. We're not yeah. casting aspersions. We're just saying no. this is a guess and this is a feeling when you walk by. All right. Sure. And now it's time for the segment we call, because apparently I can't call it a game. It's not a game. The segment we call, What's in the Bag? Nate? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? <laughs> I think the mashup works. Okay. So this is the time where we go through. We've had a chance to go to the comic book shop. We may not necessarily have had a chance to read all the books or even any of the books we're talking about, but at least we, what we picked up that was noteworthy in a case we... We, we have sp- reason to anticipate greatness. Or anticipate stay away. Yeah. Sort of like Australian table wines. Hopefully That's those are the ones you bought. Joke. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, sorry if it was. I apologize. Okay, so, uh, Nate, what's uh, first up in your bag? Item number one in my bag is Savage Dragon number 195. Uh-huh. Has he ever missed an issue? Like He's even been a delayed. Month? But Has he been delayed? Eric Larson? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you, oh, must, yeah. you must be getting super excited for 200. Like, are you just going to be, you know, is it be an amazing, will he call you and say, <laughs> Nate, here is the, I mean, because you guys are friends now. Uh, <laughs> he will not call me. No, sorry. Didn't okay. say anything. <laughs> but, uh, no, actually, he was working on this issue at Big Wow. Ah, good. Now we have a whole uh, reason to connect to the Big Wow Comic Fest. Good, 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 good. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I got, that's how I got the insight into his writing technique, which I explained to uh, Daniel Friedman and Cena Grace when we interviewed them on the show. Yeah, yeah. That they were practicing the Eric Larson technique of mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. It is a magazine that has one of the longer um, regular letters pages. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's reminiscent of, of Dave Sims and the Cerebus and I, days. And I like that. I so much prefer... Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that it's nice to have message boards and stuff, but I just don't think to go there when I'm reading a comic. I just, I like to read the letters page. Yep. Exactly. And it, it's great to see. And, and I think even Marvel gets that because Marvel sometimes says like, well, we don't have the letters page yet because we did an extra page. We apologize. We'll do it next month. We probably, you know, there are like little editorial notes. So, and then good. when they run long, they say, oh, go to this website to read the letters. Well, I've never done that and I'm never going to, but I will read them if they're in the book. Right. Right, exactly. So, because today's letter hacks, maybe tomorrow's creators. Mm. You know, that's right. 
mean, mm-hmm. look at what happened with Doctor Who. Mm. I don't know if uh, Nate knows that, but you know, Peter, a 15-year-old Peter Capaldi wrote with a list of complaints to the BBC's Radio Times magazine, <laughs> and now he is the Doctor. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I uh, I've had a few letters published. Yeah, in my time, I wrote I, once. And I I was published once in in Powers. Mm. Brian Michael Bendis gave gave a shout out. So yay! Um, all right, cool. Uh, anything noteworthy about it besides it's one ninety five and you got to see the inner workings? You saw how the sausage was made. I saw how the sausage was made. Uh, the cover is exactly the cover that he had with him, which yeah. he had with him because he needed visual reference for the villain. <laughs> Uh, he didn't want to forget what the villain looked like. <laughs> That's pretty he, important. He kind of looks like a cross between the Crimson Dynamo and, and the Destroyer. Yeah, exactly. The Destroyer armor. Oh, yeah. yeah. <coughs> a little Sunfire in there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And if that didn't sell you on the book. Huh. You, you know, a question came up to me, uh, came up for me, speaking of Savage Dragon, and only uh, you two guys would know, uh, anybody I know, is uh, way back when, there was a Howard the Duck Savage Dragon crossover. You know what? I just bought that on Saturday. Okay, so Howard, according, according Destroyer to, Duck. to the late Steve Gerber right. uh, and Eric Larson, Howard and and Spider Man and the and 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 the Savage Dragon all crossed over and like there was a little you know dimensional switchover. And basically, what happened at the end of that is that Howard and Beverly went into witness protection in the image universe on the Savage Dragon's world, and clones of Howard and Beverly are now what's there in Marvel. So the question I have is, have those two ever shown up again in Savage Dragon? Because I, I would think technically, with Steve Gerber having passed on, Eric Larson has the right to use them. Marvel may have learned their <laughs> lesson with clones. Not at that point they had no 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 because but, that, since. but no if you read because it was no, no, no. if you read the Marvel issue right then n- you have you no, no idea, idea. Right. that was in the image issue right and, and it said it so it was a different basically a different ending so yeah it had nothing there uh, so I was just curious no no yeah, okay I don't think it ever has all right so what's uh, in- yeah I don't think it's ever been played with again but I'm currently on the page where Superman as a duck. Spider-Man's hand and uh, Howard the Duck and Destroyer Duck are all on the same page here. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So what's in Rick's bag? Well, the first thing I have, we've talked about this before. It's nice to see it. It's uh, actually here. The first issue, first issue of uh, Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever, the original teleplay in comic book form, which is it's already been, it's been published uh, a couple times now in, in book form. Um, the Ellison's, yeah. Ellison's story was uh, a lot longer than, of course, and more expensive than what was shot. Um, I, I, it never really got mentioned. I, we've never talked about it. I've never heard anybody talking about the fact that the, it's called The City on the Edge of Forever. But the TV show, the one that actually got filmed, there's not much of a city. There's like a ruin and the and the guardian is there. And, right, right. But in this one, you actually see the city as as. And I, in an know, amazing I, splendor, you can see why they thought eh, this is way too expensive. I, I've to, always thought New York in uh, was the city. It, 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 yeah, I, that was what they're referring to. But I, I, I get what you're saying. Now this is interesting. He's gonna they, he actually Kirk actually calls it. It looks like a city on the edge of forever. 
I see. Well, of course. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan, for so on the nose dialogue. Yeah. But um, this is, uh, it looks like uh, painted by the same guy who did the Doctor Who yes. Star Trek crossover. Only he, he looks like he's gotten better. Uh, I quite feel, a bit. I feel like there's a lot better composition yeah. in this than it was in the Doctor Who City. Um, and that artist, there's by a, the way, There's a quick be, shot of Uhura in there at one point, yeah. and you go, yeah. Uh, that would be uh, J.K. Woodward, uh, and Scott Tipton and David Tipton, who've been working on much of the, many of the IDW Star Trek books, if not yeah. all of them, uh, for a while. So, okay, cool. So this, I don't know, I can't remember how many issues this is supposed to run. It looks like it's going to probably paste out to four or six. Probably six, because six makes for more expensive trade paperback. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm not... Uh, but, you know, all the, all the really all the characters are totally recognizable. Kirk and Spock, and you know. yeah. Well, as I said, it, uh, in the Doctor Who uh, Star Trek crossover, what I felt was like he was both he was simultaneously a great painter and a bad comic artist, right? Because right, right. it was like, oh yeah, I recognized everybody, but I didn't believe you know I, I didn't believe I was seeing a story being told. I was seeing a series of static images, but this is really. Uh, a leap forward in the guy's work. So fantastic. There is a funny moment in here where they have to, there's a, one of the doors has been jammed or something from the inside and, and they have to, that's not that much of a spoiler. They have to, spoiling mind. There's, there's a, uh, Kirk actually instructs Yeoman Rand to pick up a fallen laser gun to cut through the door. He and Spock are standing right there. McCoy is, you know, occupied, but he says, Rand, uh, you know, well, get that door open, Rick. It's been a while since you've worked in a corporate environment, and uh, yeah, you yeah. always hand the heavy lifting over to the lady in the red skirt. Where I work, yeah, okay, yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> just the way it is, because they're stronger than I am. Okay, they can lift more. All right. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to go with uh, for myself. Uh, I did actually like this left out because I thought maybe this was the life with Archie issue. But it was still uh, important. Archie number 656. I have the variant cover. Who is this artist? Uh, it's interesting. But anyway, uh, but it looks like a Norman Rockwell Saturday Evening Saturday Post Saturday Post, at least. Yeah, yeah somebody. Uh, but I can't tell who it is. But, uh, but anyway, uh, this is of note uh, because, once again, I, it's not the first character to be such. But this is, I think, if you really want to teach... I think about this a lot. If you really want to be like teaching tolerance and and um, inclusive and inclusiveness to kids, Archie is an incredible gateway for it. Mm-hmm. And so this is introducing Veronica's cousin, who is, by the way, also very clearly of another ethnicity. Yes, but she's Veronica Lodges, and up to now you think of the Lodges as being this lily white uh, family. Uh, her cousin Harper, who is in a wheelchair. So uh, she's again, also very stylish with the well, magenta yeah, stripes a, in her hair and stuff. Was, is this the well, cover with the roses and Archie on the ground? Yes, yes. That's and, by uh, Ramon Perez. Okay. Uh, and so there's a line in here where she says, you, you know, uh, Veronica's saying, you didn't mention, uh, Harper's saying, you didn't mention my disability to Archie. She goes, I forgot. I never think of you as a girl with disability. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know at the moment, not having read it, if it's particularly from a 48-year-old's perspective, well-written and compelling, but from the perspective of uh, being, uh, if, you know, I wanted to teach about this and just say, look, it's just an, it's just a fact of life. There are kids that are that, that are going to be in wheelchairs. This is, this is a great, great thing happening. It's absolutely amazing that a book that for so long was just thought to be a mediocre little joke book 
is now one of the most um, 21st compelling. century has to they've oh yeah it, it it addresses so many complaints about comics and the composition of of characters in books today that the DC and Marvel just don't get by keeping to a small cast mm-hmm. they are the more diverse in a way that doesn't feel patronizing because I think that most of the time you well like you know I was thinking about this in the new 52 what was the big complaint one of the big complaints was Barbara Gordon right. stopping Oracle and she walked and then they said well we've got in the do you remember these characters the demon knights the uh right. the horsewoman right. that's going to take the she's place she's on a horse do you do you remember uh, oh, I, the last like nobody bought the book right. nobody read it. it the character did not take off whereas you know when Archie does is because because I mean, it's like. And by the way, it wasn't because of Horsewoman that they didn't take off. No, 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 no. The book I, was I, crap. I apologize, and which is a shame because Paul Cornell was writing it. But I'm sure his the editorial interference was crazy. Right. But um, here it is because you're going to mention the trade paperback that came out. We'll, we'll say the Afterlife, Afterlife with, with Archie. Archie first trade paperback came out, and the thing that I thought was interesting was. I have not read Archie comics in any, with any regularity until I picked up Afterlife with Archie. I have not. Now I'm going to go back and get the trades for Life with Archie, the ones mm-hmm. with him as an adult, because I, I do want to see what they've been doing, because I feel like I've actually missed some interesting storytelling. But with Afterlife with Archie, I realized the other thing is when they create a character and it gets into the media, it sticks. I knew who everybody was, even, yeah. uh, even yeah. if they had been yeah, the introduced. The most recent ones were in there. Even yeah. if they had been introduced long after this point where I was going across country and stopping at Stuckey's and buying Archie's because that's where everybody well, a lot had of the one. foundational understanding of Archie is from the Saturday morning cartoon show too sure you know that's and that's that's the old but crew, that doesn't and include Cheryl Blossom no. that doesn't include uh, there were others now that I'm blanking but it, it, that there's a, there's a whole bunch of other characters whose names I'm escape, are escaping me but that's like no I knew who they were right and, and Kevin actually I don't think Kevin Keller is in Afterlife with Archie hmm. Um, but it, which is interesting. But uh, he'll he'll save the day. Uh, but I recommend that trade. How much was that trade paperback? Did you? See? I didn't look at the price. Uh, the, the I no, I didn't. Because it was not. You know, I don't think they're following the the image model of no, that I, first I trade. I don't think it was cheap. like a nine ninety nine. Yeah. And I, I I put it back on the shelf and I thought, you know, maybe I'll I'll wait and see how they're going to market the the whole thing when they're done. I'll be I honest. You know what? Because I if they if they release like a deluxe edition, yeah, I'd buy that that's, because that's Franco Francavilla's artwork is beautiful. The covers have been interesting. The commentary that Roberto Aguirre Sacasa has been making in the back and the le- and, and back to the letters page have been great. So yeah, but Flip, flipping through it, it looked like it was only like four or five issues too. And that's the, all there's been so far. Five issues. There's there's uh, half the book is filler material. So well, even in the even as I was saying, even in the regular in the book, regular books, they've been doing these back backup reprints of old horror stories that Archie Comics had printed, like in the late sixties, yeah. early seventies, when that was really popular. And this, actually, this was prose stuff. This oh, okay, was like okay, historical. Well, I'm not uninterested in that. No, because I think Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is a hell of a writer. It just didn't get me excited enough to buy it today. I think again, you know, the irony there is that he was once sued by Archie Comics. Really? To stop writing. He wrote um, Archie's Weird Mysteries was a play created by Dad's Garage in I think Atlanta, hmm. an improv group. So it was one where in which 
Archie and Jughead were gay and blah 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 and they called it like a t- weird teen mi- they had to change the title and change uh, all the characters like okay. weird teen mystery and then what happens is Roberto, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa takes a, sh- a writes a show that goes to off Broadway he becomes super popular he's writing for Marvel then because the characters he loves most are Archie and the editorial team changed yeah they they brought him in and now he's the chief creative officer of Archie Comics and he was writing for Glee he rewrote the book for um, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. So the new script that goes with the old songs is now his, hmm. setting it in the 40s. Incredibly talented man who is, again, legitimately a fanboy. And most interestingly, legitimately a fanboy of Archie. And yet he's pushing them in so many interesting yeah. directions. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Nate, what's next in your bag? Oh, geez. The decisions I have to make. I know. It's so tough. They're all my let's, precious. Let's go with Original Sin number four of eight. Ah, okay. Uh, yes. Right. Uh, um, I think I forgot to read number three, and I'm really bitter at myself for that. Okay, well, I was going to say something that say it, say it. had I don't to care. do with number three, so I'm glad you didn't... Uh, no, do it. Say it. Did you read number three? Spoilers for number three, ladies and gentlemen. At the end of number three, the Winter Soldier assassinates and decapitates Nick Fury. What? <laughs> That's a pretty good spoiler, Nate. <laughs> I said it. I said spoilers for number three. I, yeah. I know. What? Yeah. Uh... So we find out what that's all about in this issue. I think one of the alternate covers for issue four is uh, the Winter Soldier standing there with an eye in his hand. Oh, was it de- no, no, it's not a decapitated. No, he's not holding. Fury. He's not holding Fury's head out like. Oh yeah, he also Game got the Watcher's eye. Yeah. In that issue. So now we find out what that's all about in issue four. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm blowing hot. And I'm cold. not going to lie. The story is getting a little confusing. Yeah, and, I, and I've accidentally read a few, a couple of crossover things, and because well, I, I read the all new invaders and they crossed over, and the idea of just that a bunch of people are caught in the explosion of the Watcher's eye and learning the original sins of other people. I was like, again, it's like as I, I've said before, I'm not so keen on the idea of adding that subtext and darkness to every damn book there is. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Howard the Duck. I want to know what Howard the Duck's original sin was. I think we know. <laughs> but the other thing is... Animal husbandry. They're not saying what Beverly. anybody's original sin was. In the original sin book, they have not revealed anybody's sins. Right. I so I'm going to have to read the other books to find out the sins, which I'm not going to do, so I'll never know. Well, I can no, I can't even tell you what the invader's original sin was. I can't remember who she was ticked at. Um, but anyway, okay. Uh, Rick, what's next in your bag? My next is Silver Surfer issue three. Uh, Again, thank you. So looking forward to this. Uh, Dan Slott, Michael Alred, Laura Alred, and just such a fun book. I'm the, the the second issue they gave Surfer had powers we had never seen before. Um, well, the, most intriguingly, the, char- uh, the follow on female character actually was competent and solved the problem before he was able to get to her right and i find you know what's interesting about it is you know we said it looks like a doctor who thing but you can even imagine him going what yeah what um exactly but, but there was the implication and i can't remember if they did it in the second issue but it was in the previous story that he can also just become 
Norin Rad again. Yeah, that's just yeah. So he can he can. I he don't can remember that ever. Never have no. never had it before. But thank heavens he can have the silver. He can remove the silver from his exterior and just be a Norin Rad character. I mean, it's and which by the way, I do want to mention. Uh, Bleeding Cool ran an article a couple days ago implying the same theory about what's going to happen with the Fantastic Four the, that I put out uh-huh. last week. So, um, cool. I just want to say again, if you're a podcast listener and you heard this in real time, or at least within the week we released it, Tell your Fanboy Planet came up with it first, uh, just like the first person to ask Samuel L. Jackson if he was going to play Nick Fury was me. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Prophet is without honor in his own country. So, uh, so this is a terrific book. He's the perfect artist for this. Uh, I love Dan it. Slot's I love it. Job. I, yeah. I love everything about it. And, and you and don't need to know anything about the Silver Surfer before this. No, that's what's brilliant about it. Yeah. It's a perfect jumping on yeah. for the character and a fun and kid friendly. Fun. And look at that. Look at that cover. There's a giant, giant wind monkey up monkey. With symbols. It cannot get any better than that. <laughs> Silver Surfer versus a monkey with symbols. Um, my uh, next one. Uh, would be Kill Shakespeare, The Mask of Night. So the third miniseries in the ongoing Kill Shakespeare saga, which is funny because they're past the point where anybody's actually trying to kill Shakespeare. Uh, but this is dealing with uh, Viola from the twel- from Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think believe it's also crossing over with the pirates that are implied at the very beginning of the first uh, miniseries with the, uh, the pirates that had taken Hamlet's ship. Uh, so... I do love this book from the perspective of, good Lord, I get to practice all my Shakespearean scholarship. But on the other hand, this is also, this is going to tie in, they mentioned, the I think the board game's been delayed just a little bit, and um, uh, Connor McCreary, uh, one of the writers, emailed me last week and said, yeah, you know, we're we're available for interviews, so we may try to set one up very, very quickly, um, and to talk about uh, the board game as well. I need to follow up with IDW and see if we can get a copy of that because I'd love to sit down with Doug, is it Garrett, and do a whole crossover episode where we just sit down and play the game, and and find out how how it is. And and the thing is, I'm not the, you know and you know I'm not that much of a gamer, and I'm excited to do to have that board game because yeah. I just love everything about this content. Do you think it's a it's a lead in to kids reading the actual Shakespearean works? I think it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I think it's I think it, it's a more frantic and um, I actually think, lively. I think that honestly, and this could be my own pretension talking. Like that's never happened. Uh-huh. Uh, that uh, that what is this is is it's richer if you have read stories. I so don't like disagree. if you yeah. if you know Romeo and Juliet, it is interesting to see. Which honestly, most of, I wouldn't give this to my son, but to my daughter, I might have a read kill Shakespeare because she's read Romeo and Juliet, she's read a couple of the plays, and, the, and you've hit the big ones, you know, you know, and then right. finding out what the what the things are, what's happened with Romeo and Juliet are there. You get Falstaff, so yeah, maybe kids have they've heard of him. Um, the other big one would be Othello and, and Hamlet, of course, yeah. uh, but I think it's more high schoolers. Maybe I don't, but I, I think it's after they understand who they are. Um, because I, I do think that the series began in a way that was like it's it was saying uh, that Shakespeare didn't tell the truth, right? And that 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 what what went on the stage was not necessarily what had happened for Hamlet, and that's kind of a heady thing. And if you were approaching it from I don't know anything about Hamlet, and that's your protagonist, well, then it, I think it might have lost some of its. And impact. that just follows the Shakespearean arguments about who the real authors were and. 
all that other stuff. William Shakespeare. All yeah. right. Okay. I don't make me go off on that. Rant. I'm not getting into because I can completely it's not my argument. Not I my circus. Not my monkeys. Well, F. not my infinite number of monkeys. Not my. <laughs> that's right. All it takes is a hundred at a hundred typewriters. Doesn't you take an infinite? Just a hundred. Then they write. They will. They'll write a Shakespeare play. That's, well, we've got budget for a hundred. That's how the original saying went, and then we added to infinite because people decided that we got budget for a hundred. Excellent. Are they producing? <laughs> Good lord. Okay. They're right now propping Nate up. Okay. So next up in Nate's bag. Next in my bag is between two comics that I've read. Ugh, I'll go with. MPH number two. Okay. Phew. Go ahead. That's uh, it. <laughs> here we see the lad from issue one who is broken out of jail. Uh-huh. Meet up with his friends. Sounding this, like an Our Gang episode so this far. This is like a president reading the comics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In panel one. In panel one, there was... I'm all for and it. And they get into some hijinks, and it's fun. It's a fun romp. Okay. I, I, I did, on your recommendation, buy the first issue today because I was second issue out. So I bought both first and second issues. They're in my stack to read later. So, excellent. There may be some revenge involved. Excellent. And is there any reference, by the way, just out of curiosity, because I know Miller's been saying it's going to be like it's the Miller-verse. Does there, does there seem to be any connection to any of the other books? Yes, the cover. <laughs> that says Miller-verse? Uh, so I guess there are like four or five covers, and the one I happen to pick up is half of a two-gatefold cover thing that basically has every Miller-verse character on it. Well, okay. I have the right hand side with characters running up the wall. Okay. All right. This isn't one of those things where. It, and sometimes in the back they have the co- the other yeah, covers. Yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll take a look here. Um, yeah. So I looked up that gatefold. The the Lionel U uh, alternate covers that form the big thing. That's not the one I got. I got the uh, Duncan Fagredo. But there it again. I don't know why I missed this in the first place with Duncan Fagredo art because I love Duncan Fagredo's artwork. So. Glad to hear that it's still an entertaining book, two issues in, that I don't feel like I wasted $6. Well, if you and Nate give it your <laughs> your thumbs up, I'll go Which, pick by up. the way, I'm going to have to say this. Uh, if you'd like disturbing, disturbingly, this is not a in-the-bag thing, but Marvel in September solicitations for the Death of Wolverine or Three Must Live thing, there are 15 comics at the $5 level. Holy moly. Is that going to change... Willingness to buy comics. Yes, that's that's going to change my willingness to buy those five dollar issues. Yeah, and probably we should we should have a talk about why we buy books. We I mean we talked about doing some theme shows. I still want to do the one about how do you store your comics. Well, what do you we're do addicted. With but I think there's <laughs> one about how do you quit a comic. You know, and for me it's like. I can't quit you. I'm not. I'm not buying Daredevil. I'm not buying. A, I was looking at Electra today. I'm going. I'm not going to buy that because I know it's tied into Electra, which I'm not buying. I'm tied tied into Daredevil, Daredevil no. that I'm not buying, and I'm I'm trying. To, I try and winnow my universe down so I don't get the weird crossovers. Like I I wasn't buying Justice League Dark, but then I ended up with a bunch of books that tied into it. Mm-hmm. And I was not happy with that, so it's like, I, I, why I are you to... not buying Daredevil? Uh, because actually, I, I thought Daredevil was going to be 
such a good book that I was going to buy all the graphic novel versions of it. And so I was just buying the trades. Mm. Um, and I got started late. I wasn't going to go back and pick up the older issues. Yeah, okay. So, so well, and, and that is, you know... The, so you're roundabout buying Daredevil. Roundabout. Yeah, but I'm behind on the graphic novels and I haven't been keeping up. It happens. Yeah. What's, uh, what's next in your bag? My next bag is... Continuing the hunt for Robin, uh-huh. Batman and Rachel Ghoul. Bring him back. Just bring him back. Number 32 of the New 52. Um, <laughs> it's right there on the book. 32, New 52. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great looking cover with uh, what I'm assuming is either Slippy Soup or the Lazarus Pit. Um, I'm going to assume the Lazarus I'm gonna, Pit. Uh, Slippy Soup don't glow like that. I don't see any bacon in there. Yeah. We got a little a kid's coffin up uh, raised up above Raisha's head. Um, you know, this is this is going to end. I uh, my prediction is this is going to look like it's going to end badly all the way up into the end. Then it's going to end good. And he's going to go, Papa. Yeah, Papa. <laughs> going to say, <laughs> "We belong dead." And Derek and Luke will read that book together. Oh yes, I'm. You know, I'm tears so streaming down oh, their faces. Please, I'm going to make a movie recommendation about a movie that made me cry with Luke this weekend. You know, it's funny. I I did just finally get around to watching um, Batman and Son, which I thought was a great movie. adaptation. It was a terrific for all adaptation. the limitations that they have in uh, an animated and show. And we can gush about that too. But I want to gush about the whole package because they had they had so many additional. Um, videos of TV series episodes yeah. that all tied into either Raish or the, those things Robin bother me. But the reason, the, the only reason they bother me is because I already have all of them in their uh-huh. original. <laughs> so I don't have all the original <laughs> packaging. You know, I had so. a great time watching. After I watched the movie, and I sat down. And I watched all. There was a Brave and the Bold episode. Yeah. There was, and we're jumping around here. Yeah. But let me get to you know. Okay, so I mean that's so. Good. So this is this is hitting right right in the. Hard All right, for me. so here I'm going to say, Nate, you'll never believe what I read, what wow. I bought, but I suspect it is Doctor Who. Your alternate? No, it's Thunderbolts number twenty-seven, the Punisher versus the Thunderbolts, and why I bought it, why it is noteworthy, is the writers are Acker and Blacker. Oh my god! The creators of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. They are the new writers of on the Thunderbolts. The Wow. So uh, I had to pick that up, and I'm very excited to look forward to it. because it, to, I'm very excited to look forward to it. I will just keep the suspense. I can't wait for I the society <laughs> mediums to join the uh, Thunderbolts. Frankly, and, and, and Nate, I have not converted you yet to the Thrilling Adventure Hour, but honestly, those guys are such incredible writers. Their dialogue is that really I, good. That I have no choice. I have to try this, and I will, I will probably, for the first time since the first... Eight issues of Thunderbolts, way back when, I may find myself a Thunderbolts fan because of those writers. They are so good, and people, you have to pick them up. They are, they're just great. And if you're not listening to the Thrilling Adventure Hour, what's wrong with you? So, so this is, uh, what incarnation of Thunderbolts is this? This is like uh, seventh or eighth. Yeah, because it's is this still Red Hulk on there. There's it looks like Red Hulk, Elektra, Deadpool, Ghost Rider, the original Ghost Rider, and a short guy. Is that the th- the leader? Puck? No, no, he's the leader. Got a, yeah, the he's leader. Got a high is it forehead. Red leader. Oh, Red leader. I don't know. They're all tinged in the back, with all kind of tinged red, yeah, so it's hard yeah. to tell color. I can't believe Red Leader's still on the team. So Punisher was on that team. Uh-huh. Yeah. When I stopped reading it. Okay. So and we'll now see. he's fighting them. 
That's well, that's what it says on the cover. I'm sure he's going to find a way to come back in. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll see. Again, this is sight unseen, not having read it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And, and because we mentioned The Afterlife with Archie, the other trade paperback, uh, which image, you jerks. Like, I spend an extra 10 bucks a week yep. picking up a new trade paperback from Image. And this week being Velvet, Brubaker, uh, uh, man, I can't believe, again, Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting, Mitch Brettweiser, or is it Laura, the, the um, colorist? Um, Elizabeth Brettweiser is the colorist. Colorist. Okay, so Steve Epting is the artist. Um, so this was recommended by uh, Chris Culler of Earth 2 Comics on Fanboy Planet a while back. The second issue saying, beautiful spy story. And then Nate oh, chastised I've, I've me. I've on it before. And then ch- Nate chastised me for not buying it. And you may yeah. have gushed, but it might have been in your head. No, um, no, no. And so uh, anyway, so the trade paperback again. How many issues? Five or six issues for... Ten measly dollars. Yeah, and they're great issues. And amazed. they lure me in, and then they'll charge me fifteen, twenty bucks for the second trade, and I feel like a bargain. I, I, you know, it's just great. Did you read the latest issue, Nate? No, I had to drop that one. Oh, they heart punched me at the end of the the latest issue. Ooh, they heart punched. Yeah, it's just Ooh. like a uh, terrific, terrific story. Um, I mean, if, we say realistic spy story, but it's not so much realistic as it's. You're really believing that there are this types of intrigue going on, and the the relationships be people, between people in this type of intrigue and how they how they deal with it, how they I mean really have to deal with the the lying and the falseness and that's well, just a and, great and, and, book. And if you're questioning this beyond, this is the creative team that basically gave us the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So one of the most important. Uh, one of the most sensational character finds of the 21st century. Sorry, Robin, move over. Uh, was the winter <laughs> was the Winter Soldier? So here's the team. Now, officially, this by the way, Volume One is subtitled "Before the Living End." So uh, this is Volume One, well worth checking out at ten dollars. Um, and this is a critically acclaimed series. I'm so looking forward to diving into this. I'll probably and won't. fanboyly accredited whatever you just said. We are critics. We can count ourselves as acclaiming. Yeah. Right, we're fanboyly acclaimed. Fanboy, <laughs> okay, we're fanboiling. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go to movies, shall we? Talk about Heart Punch. Uh, Gil Gottfried is the Joker. No, he's not. But a nice try in your. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was saying, he completely took me by surprise. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two was so damned good. I keep hearing that. The rare, the. The rare sequel truly better than the first one, although you couldn't get there without the first one. So I always feel weird saying that. Not that the first one wasn't excellent. The first one was amazing. And then, so I thought, I went in going, well, the second one, why are you going to do a second one? Because that first one is just so amazing, there was no way to top it. Well, they did. I love the char- new character design. I love the conflict made more, made more sense. Um, and, and then just in the middle of it, just totally punched my heart. Uh, and then I, and I sort of escaped, got over it for a moment, and then they punched me in the heart again. <laughs> so it was sort of like watching Big Fish. Wait a minute, just as I've gathered myself. Oh, let's just make that painful again. Ah, yeah. crap. But what I love about the series, uh, bo- both films, is that for a kid's, ostensibly a kid's movie, and I, I haven't watched any of the, te- the Dragon Riders of Burke, the, the, um, it was the fun. animated series. I haven't watched the animated series at all. But the movies have been 
they don't shy away from any of the logical consequences of what's happening. Right. That impressed me. It's no spoiler now at the end of the first movie that uh, Hiccup ended up with a prosthetic foot. Right. Uh, you know, he lost it. That's that's the cost, you know. Which They're, mirrored the disability of his dragon. Right. And so, you know, but that, that's one that that's one consequence. And, and that I realized looking at character design, they're Vikings with mysteriously Scottish accents. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're Vikings who they, they live hard. So there's a lot of scarring. There's a lot of lost limbs and so yeah. forth. And it's like, well, that's the reality. Hooks. But the reality, too, is in the world, that's a reality. So, you know, I... I a lot of a lot of children's films try to sugarcoat or back away, and this just doesn't. And so I'm very impressed with that film. So I, I had be you just brought good, up heart punching. Good toys so. too. The plushie of Toothless is is very adorable. adorable. But what I really want to see is the rival dragon rider. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, not to give a spoiler, but there, but it's a fantastic character design, and. I had not ever wanted to buy any of the How to Train Your Dragon toys. Like I thought they were cute, but it wasn't for me. But that character design was so... It was really kind of Frank Frazetta-ish to me. Oh, okay. And then I was like... And it made sense. I'm like, I hope there's a figure of that, because if there is, I might have to buy that one. Uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't me who was going to buy it. It was Debbie. Uh, well, of course, because it's a cute plushie. Yeah. I, I wasn't accusing you of no. buying a cute plushie, but I would have bought it as a cute plushie. I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally a plushie. No, I'm not. No, that's horrible. That's all. That's a completely different concept, isn't it? Oh my god, awkward. Awkward. Well, true confessions. Uh, no, not at all. Um, you know, it's just been a while. Uh, it's been about ten years since anybody's cared about Scooby Doo. So Warner Brothers, I'm speaking a little facetiously, uh, that Warner Brothers is looking at rebooting the live action Scooby Doo movie series. Why? Cool. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's that sort of uh, name back there. Why? Um, I mean, you know, because yeah, they did two theatrical movies. They've done right. like three or four live action uh, on Cartoon Network. Did uh, they do like a 3D animated version? I mean, like a, no, a, a CG. A they, CG. They one? might have. I, I. Well, no. I think actually the live action was sort of easy. Scooby Doo <laughs> was. It was. That's true. Maybe yeah. that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't it, seen any of them. And oh, you haven't. No. James Gunn, writer, director of Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, wrote those. They're actually they're not bad. There's a lot of people ripping on them, but I'm like, um, again, when it takes when you take a children's show like that, I go, yeah. Um, you may be remembering a much better written mythos than actually existed. I I, I was no, I'm not accusing you of the, that. It's just yeah. well, we were I mean, again one of those things. Like you were probably too old when it first came on. Yes, um, I was five. So Scooby Doo was awesome when I was five years old, and and then I lost track of all this. I never saw a Scrappy Doo or you a, never saw no. a Scooby Dumb. I mean, I think actually I did see because my little brother was watching them. So yeah. I go in and go, oh, huh, and then I'd like be poking holes. Why do, that doesn't make sense, right? And then when my own children watched some of the follow up series, like there was the one where there was a pup named Scooby Doo. They were right. little kids, and because everything must go down to the child version That's of this. Right. Yes. And uh, and then I took uh, and and then I went to the movies and uh, and it was you know shortly after actually that I had first interviewed James Gunn like when we were the first Comic Con I attended and he was there with the specials and he had just gotten the gig to write Scooby Doo so you know we talked a lot about the about those movies and I was like yeah I mean they're they're decently done they're it's not like you're again take go to flashback you're not adapting shakespeare no you're adapting there's a talking dog and these 
four ki- five kids, and they solve mysteries. Stoners. They're not kids. They're stoners. No, only Shaggy is a stoner. Um, no, say rest in peace, case Kasem. Yes, rest in peace. That's where we're, that's where we're going to bring it up. Yes, Shag- the original Shaggy is passed, and the original Super Friends Robin. Mm. Yeah, so um, which I guess there was in the Scooby Doo team up comic. There was a joke which I haven't caught up with, but I but I saw the reference is that in the first issue of Scooby Doo team up, they met uh, they met Batman and Robin, right? It was like from the old episode, and then in the third issue, they team up with Teen Titans Go. And somebody says, and I think Velma says, you know, when Batman's not around, Robin seems really different. And they go like, like, you know, what do you mean? And she goes, well, he's he's shorter, sh- more sure of himself, and he sounds a lot less like Shaggy. And, <laughs> and so it's kind of a nice joke, and it, yeah. it made a couple months before yes, he did pass. So, um, uh, Mr. Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, uh, admitted this week in an interview that. Now Marvel is talking to him about possibly developing a Hulk solo film. Third time's the charm. Yeah. Let's face it. And he did promise that in Avengers Age of Ultron, you'll be, how do you call it? Uh, that you'll, that you'll be, that people who are fans of the Science Brothers, as he refers to himself and Tony Stark, will be very pleased. So, uh, it's fine to do a movie. I, I would like to see more an episodic thing with the Hulk. I'd rather see like a Netflix uh, series. Well, you know, and that's funny because you know Guillermo del Toro was going to they were going to do a separate one, but I think just the but it wasn't going to be connected to the movies. Yeah, and I think again we've talked about this. This is the mistake that that Warner Brothers is making because you know we released that over the weekend that list of movies that are coming out, which Kevin Smith apparently confirmed on Hollywood Babylon, and I haven't heard it yet, where he said he knew this list was. He knew this list was real. He just didn't. Nikki Fink released them over the weekend. He didn't know the release dates that, oh. were, that were put there. So he said, "No, they're all, they're all. That's all true." But what I see is, or rather, what I'm not seeing is again a sense of: Are they building a coherent, cohesive, connected universe mm-hmm. outside of? Yes, we know that Superman and and Justice League are going to be connected, but there's a Sandman movie. Well. I can live with that not being connected. Right. Because Vertigo took Sandman out anyway. I, I just want that to be good. Um, but there's a Shazam movie in development, they, right. we, you know, which is actually looking for 2016. It's only two years away. If so, you smell what the rock is cooking. I absolutely do, and I agree with him playing Black Adam. Not a, not a question. Right. But um, is that Shazam film going to tie into... Because what I think is, I, I can understand if Warner Brothers is thinking, well, let's make it, let's, you know, Marvel's doing it all connected, so we're not going to. And I think that's a huge mistake. We now have been trained by Marvel that if you do it right, you can build a very connected, cohesive universe that doesn't have to be constantly tripping over each other, well, just I, like the comics don't have the to The idea be. that it's connected and Ken does not mean that they're all building towards an epic event. I mean, I just want to see people show up in other people's movies and have a great movie at that point, but it doesn't feel like a third of a movie that's yet to come. Right. My favorite moment still in Thor The Dark World is Loki transforming into Steve Rogers yep. and going, oh, I love that. And it's like, well, we're never going to see it again, but thank you for acknowledging that they are now friends and and, and giving me a, a good laugh about that. Very happy to see that. Yeah. No, I, I I'll agree with you uh, with with you on that. So, 
I mean, we'll see. Well, what else was in there? A Green Lantern, Flash, crossover, um, a Wonder Woman solo film. Of course, we knew that was going to happen. Uh, and then a Man Someday. of and a Man of Steel too. No, it's all there on the list. And the interesting thing is, Warner is looking at putting out three superhero movies a year, which you know Marvel Studios may not have quite the same resources, the deep pockets, honestly, because they're run separately from Disney to amp up their production that way. So it's interesting. Have they thrown down a gauntlet? Mm-hmm. But but Warner Brothers, I don't want to see more superhero movies for the sake of seeing more superhero movies. I want to see them done well. Well, the, the other thing about being done well and connected is that I feel like all the stuff that Marvel is doing on television is going to be right. lockstep with Which the Which we started movies. talking about last week, too, or but two But DC weeks ago. is all over the All over the place. Map. I mean, we no, still don't know if the, the Flash or Arrow are going to be in, in and Justice League. And somebody was talking about um, uh, some website, I think it was Comic Book Resources, that like, when, what about Guillermo del Toro's Dark Justice League Dark movie? And I'm yeah. like... Well, Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark is, which is not what it's called, it's like Heaven Sent or something, right. is uh, is not on that list. And let's face it, with Constantine on television, yeah. it's invalidated unless Constantine tanks. But Constantine's not going to tank. No, uh, you know David S. Goyer, that's they, his wheelhouse. Or they do it in a way that they can pull that character out and use him in the movie. Right. Um, the thing about Shazam, I mean Shazam at its heart is a bunch of characters that are interlocked too and that's the way they were doing it in the book with his with Batson's adoptive family yeah and those are all leading into a potential Shazam family too which so, I love well and they could also do it the same way they were doing Justice League where it was a backup and tell a story that's separate but well, connected in a well, way I mean on the other hand let me say uh, now I'll play my de- devil's eye with my arm with the case of Shazam for 40 years, oh no, 30, for 30 years, Shazam was completely unrelated to the DC Universe. Right. It was a completely different publishing company. Now, you give me Shazam, and you throw in Mr. Scarlet and Pinky, uh, or Spy Smasher, or Bullet Man, you know, and create the Fawcett Universe. Mm. Oh my God, that would be awesome. He does have, as you just, not just the Marvel family, but a rich cast of characters right. that you could just go off and explore on your own. He does have, what do they call when they did the Justice League crossover, the Shazam Soldiers of Justice or something? It was made up. I mean, they did it just for that crossover. But I was like, but that was cool because, again, that's where I saw Spy Smasher, or Crime Smasher, he became, um, because there were no spies by that point. Um, and, uh, you know, Mr. Scarlet and Pinky, Bullet Man and Bullet Girl. The Shazam family. I can't remember who else was was in, was included in that. Yeah, I can. Because it's equality is for, is Freedom Fighters, so they're not there. But I mean, there's just enough. They're really, you know. Yeah. To, and again, I, I I do look at the Mar- and the Marvel movies the same way. It's like, well, there's not time to do what you can do in a monthly, where you can also add three titles if you need to, or do an oversize. It's like you get those that two hour movie once every three mm-hmm. or four years. So tell a coherent trilogy. I get it now. You know it's not going to be a franchise. The what the days of the franchise like Bond. I don't think anybody's going to launch something like Bond ever again. Yeah, or it's going to which is a misstep. They should launch something like that. Well, I mean, I think it's going to. I think what's going to happen is it's going to pass away a little bit and then come back again and just you know you you tell the new thing. We know this. We know that Robert Downey Jr. is going to have to step down from being Tony Stark. 
So cinematically, does Tony Stark step down or does somebody else become Tony Stark? And that's the question Marvel really has not yet been able to address. Now Downey's in damn good shape, and he's obviously still appearing in Avengers Age of Ultron, but how much longer can he go on? And, and like I say, do you put another actor in that part? It's like, it's like Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. Do you put another actor in that part? have to. Okay, yeah. I Otherwise think- you're getting rid of a character that's a character that's always going to exist in the books, but you can't use them on TV cause you, or in the movies. Because you don't want to recast, right? Well, don't be jerks. At some point, you have to reboot because you have to. Say, well, so and I, I, I don't. Bond there's did. a bit. Well, Bond rebooted with Craig. Yeah, but the prior ones weren't reboots. There were just no, new, no, new no. actors in there, and arguably, you know, the the idea that you put if you'd put somebody instead of Roger Moore like Craig in and not reboot it, it would have been fine. Yes. Yeah. Back in 1971. Right. Yeah. But yeah, at, a, at that point, you needed they needed to do something. But it's to, hard; to, it'd be hard to reboot one of these individual titles if you've got a cohesive universe where the rest of it hasn't rebooted. Well, you have to reboot everybody. Yeah, it may feel that just way. throw a new Iron Man actor into the Avengers three, and have somebody make a joke like, "Oh, you look like you lost weight." There you go. <laughs> In your face, you lost weight. <laughs> Downey will come to your house and punch you in the heart. Okay. Um, A horrible disfiguring uh, accident exactly. happens and he had that plastic surgery. So now he looks like, I don't know. Who would be? Yeah. Who's the next? We don't know who that person will be. Yeah. He might be out there. He might be out there, but uh, we don't know. It could be you. Uh, did you see the trailer for Birdman? This, no, I didn't. This interesting meta concept by Alejandro. I YouTube? did see that. I saw another trailer that I want to address after. The oh, and I, I'm sure we want to talk about another one. Um, but Birdman uh, is coming. I think it's going to be released in September, and it's played at Con. It's Michael Keaton playing a washed-up movie star who played a superhero named Birdman, not Batman. But it's very funny because it's narrated by Birdman, who sounds an awful lot like Christian Bale as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to mount an off-Broadway production that will make everybody forget about who he was as Birdman nice. and prove himself as a serious actor. But very clearly, the Birdman personality has a hold upon his psyche. So he is Birdman. He's going, I, Birdman. We've always been served well before, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is this could right, be that's Philip Fathom. This could be delightful. They're the same guy. <laughs> I am justice. Okay, yeah. Hmm, maybe I can take over that role. Mm. Mm. All right. So, and what trailer do you want to talk about, uh, Nate? I finally got a chance to go check out X Men: Days of Future Past. Okay. Walked in a bit late, caught the end of a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Yes. But the full Secret Service trailer, or Kingsman Secret Service, I whatever have not they're seen calling that it. yet. Mm. I saw a poster for it. So, do you guys actually read the book, or did you read the book? I have not. I did yet. not read the book. Okay. I've been trying to find the trade. The trailer starts, and I immediately thought, I bet this is a Secret Service trailer. It is so close and recognizable to the book, just from the visuals of it, because the storyline has changed a little bit. Sure. Uh, and then the at the end, it comes up, and it's Secret Service, and I was like, I can't believe that was actually the Secret Service trailer, and I thought, I bet this is a Secret... I didn't even know that existed. I just thought this looks a lot like that comic. That's all I wanted to say. No, they were at WonderCon. <laughs> were they? Yeah, they were in the uh, arena. Um, 
I did not set foot in the arena. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, the UK trailer dropped yesterday. And it's and beautiful. And my God, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. It's full of stars. I like it from from the uh, company that brought you Avengers Assemble. Because it's the UK I know, trailer. I know. I know. And, and, and uh, listener Brian Kent was like, well, I missed those songs. I thought, but and I posted, like, yeah. I'm not sure if those songs have the resonance of cheese that they do in the in the U.S. The resonance of, of cheese. cheese. It's a new dairy well, because advisory. Not, you know, it's, it, what, what do you get? You get Spirit in the Sky. Right. And, I'm, I'm, I, and earlier I said Norman Greenbaum, but I'm not sure if it's Norman Greenbaum I said, or, or, or Doctor and the Medics. He did a version of it. No, I Norman Greenbaum been, was the originator, but Doctor and the Medics were in the right. 80s, and so it's hard to know yeah. with... Uh, I just wanted to drop this one of the few pieces of music trivia that I've still got available to me because I love both versions of that song. Yeah. But they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, I don't know which one it is. And since he's playing off the walk, is it possible that that's what I, you know, so I didn't want to, so I didn't want somebody going, the Zorlock has failed. No, the Zorlock just can't tell the difference between the two versions <laughs> of the song. I know perfectly well who the two are. Um, and, and hooked on a feeling, which is, you know, great. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I love the Twitter and, and it made me, uh, I want them to sell, and it's going to be like those like those Howling Wolf uh, T-shirts that were popular in the nineties, <laughs> you know, airbrushed of that right, rocket raccoon coming rocket raccoon coming at you in the spaceship that I, right. I took the screenshot of. And I would wear that totally splattered across my chest. Yes, rocket, and I'm ready for a rocket raccoon solo film. Yeah. Uh, you know, ro- put rocket and Groot together. Boom, that's it. And if that's the plan for 2028, Bradley Cooper, I'm there. We got to hear uh, Vin Diesel do a Groot, I am Groot with a little more inflection Fletcher. in it. Yes. And he says, thanks, Thank buddy. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> the smugness of Star-Lord in that. It was like, that was the trailer that finally showed. If you don't know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, that's the one that showed you. This is why you want to pay attention right. to these guys. Right. They're fun characters. They're clearly fun to hang around with. And that just that it's totally fake laugh, totally fake laugh. <laughs> no, it's a real laugh. It's genuine. I, I'm just, yeah, totally sucked in. And there was this one moment, and, and it just goes by really fast. Right? Speaking of Groot, just as a character, and that's not Vin Diesel's performance. No offense to him. He came in later to, vo- to voice it. But you can see in the running, Groot has grown a flower and giving to yes, a small child. That. The, just catching that moment of I was I was tripping on Frankenstein back then. It was the uh, it was the uh, brighter Frankenstein. It was the Blake Snyder if you for screenwriting people Blake Snyder. It was the save the cat moment. Um, and if you're into screenwriting, you know what I'm talking right. about. Is that it's a formulaic thing where you have this moment where you go and you show these characters have this. You're going to like them from the beginning because even if they're as uh, Glenn Close's character calls them thugs. Yes, you know. There's a redemption. There's a quiet moment of redemption, and that's the that's brilliant storytelling on Gunn's part. That's great that that's in the trailer. And again, it's just like we're going to like these characters. But Groot also had his Wolverine moment. Yeah, where all the spines came out of his oh, shoulders. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's great. Yeah. I'm just so looking forward to it. So there it is. Is that movies? Is that unless there's anything else you wanted to say, Nate? Because that's well, all I have it. for this week. So um, in television, just to bring up. The the fandom is a little abuzz this week because there's been a Las Vegas licensing expo show, and I have been noticing that uh, at Target, and I think I've seen it at Toys R Us, there have been action figures of Batman that are more cartoony again and not in the Beware the Batman style, mm-hmm. and they've had an interesting logo that's kind of different. And at the licensing show, there was one lone poster for something called Batman Unlimited, 
And but the way the artwork went was it looked very clearly animated. And so the rumor is, since we know the Cartoon Network was actually not happy with with uh, Beware of the Batman, right? Is there a new animated series that will be more Cartoon Network friendly called Batman Unlimited coming our way? And so uh, I'm not confirming or denying its existence. It's interesting, and I can't imagine that with Batman's popularity being the only toys that Warner Brothers knows how to sell with any yeah. consistency. And I think there's another, there's a special um, exclusive coming to Comic-Con from a new Mattel Batman line that... Um, oh, the one with the blue metallic stuff? Yeah. 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 That it it makes perfect sense that Cartoon Network would have gone back and said, look, if you're going to have another DC, it's got to be like Teen Titans Go. It's got to yeah. be friendlier to the children we can't have this weird because i admit as much as i liked some of uh, beware the batman it was creepy they they, it was creepy villains they chose professor pig is uh creepy as hell yeah he's an awful awful person there's no way to non-creep him yeah so you know that's uh so i get that i tried to non-creep him by putting with uh toad but uh yeah yeah. But it's in, in, in that, yeah. So that that the, the thing about the toys though is not every toy has to be tied into a, a media property, and it does sound like if they just want to go off with a bunch of designers doing a bunch of different takes on Batman, that sounds like a perfect. No, title I, but I don't think that's what they're doing. Yeah. I think what they're trying to do is create another line, a specific a thing that hooks the kids in. Yeah. Because the other thing, the other alternatives are right now, you have those, you have those really over. Overly cartoony um, Fisher Price like l- lines, and its target has a bunch of characters that are that way. Um, or you uh, you have Dark Knight Returns uh, or Dark Knight Rises uh, toys still available, still filling themselves. You can still buy a three foot Bane that talks if you yeah. want. And it goes oh, <laughs> um, sounds exactly like he does in the movie. <laughs> 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 You pick yeah. me up at Toys R Us. So, I, and, and then I see Marvel selling the most obscure characters. You can't keep them on the shelf. Um, and speaking of Marvel's animation, of course, they release uh, Web Warriors. Webbed Warriors. What did I call it? What are they, they Web call Warriors. It? Web Warriors. The Ultimate Spider-Man series evolving. And what made it so noticeable for me was like, and I was like, what? You look at that picture, uh, that artwork that I put on Fanboy Planet, and there's Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. He's going to team up with Peter Porker and all these other Spider-Men from, and, and Spider-Girl and uh, Miguel O'Hara. Although yeah. the thing is, Miguel looked like that was Photoshopped in from, like they haven't done the design. Like he was he's more, not done by the same artist. He was like. more... He was more textured yeah. in a way that animation wouldn't do unless they're going to do something like CG with that one. I don't know. Now, I haven't really been following the, the animated series. I've watched a couple of episodes and thought, yeah, it's pretty good. But I haven't. But I didn't get hooked. So yeah. um, I watched the one with Peter Porker in it or the, with Spider-Ham in it. There, there was one with oh, yeah, there was There was one. Uh, I didn't know that. So that's amazing. I'm, I'm so I excited. I think that's the current season. Because they're tying. because what, Well, it's going to start on August 31st with this new Web Warriors. Right, right. But it, it's tying in. We know that in comics there's going to be this huge spider crossover with all these different things. So it's perfect. Yeah. It's just it, it's just great timing. Uh, do we want to talk Game of Thrones? Uh, sure. I, 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 I'm just happy that I'm actually caught up in the right time and it's ended. And I'm like, hey, I watched it. I don't have to avoid Facebook for a week. Um, yeah. so. I thought it was it was a great finale for a fourth season. It wrapped up all the stories from the third book. 
And, uh, you know, there's the Internet's wetting itself over a couple of things. But I'll even say something heretical, like when Venture Brothers had that Halloween special that, and, or that, not a Halloween special, but the episode that felt that like was, it could have been the ending. Yeah. This could have yes, been the end. I agree. I agree. The the aria on the there's boat. Doubt, there's doubt. There's always going to be. Right. There's always going to be doubt and unrest right. in this Unless world. Unless the world blows up, there's going to be. There's going to continue to be conflict and yeah. But we've but we've seen the characters get the justice. The the two characters I most wanted to have to see just get justice. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Now, did you see the website? And I, I think spoilers. Nate, are you a Game of Thrones watcher? No, but I uh, had free HBO last weekend, so oh, okay. we recorded the entire fifth season or whatever season we're on season. right now. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, okay. dang it. Feel free to spoil it. I don't okay, care. Okay, so one thing that was interestingly noted, and I saw this little graphic on, on Facebook, Facebook today, but this is good writing and good directing, is Littlefinger says, tells his adopted nephew or whatever that, you know, after he's married the woman and right thrown her off it, is that he says people die uh, people die at their at their uh, dining table they because the kid doesn't want to go and explore he says people die all the time people die at their dining table people die in their beds people die squatting over their chamber pots yes all three major deaths this year <laughs> were <laughs> it was Joffrey Joffrey it was the the, the hound no oh, not the, the hound the, the uh, prostitute the, uh, oh yeah, Shay, Shay, and right, right. And, um, you can't really say major deaths because they, well, I think they were the most shocking because yeah. they're the most. The Viper had a pretty major death. Yeah, I mean, they were, but but three of the uh, of the biggest ones right, were right. exactly what he described. Yes, and so I thought that's that's good writing. But but you can't say people can't people get die get die, die of their arrogance. Yes, uh, and. Uh, and when someone squeezes their head a little too hard. <laughs> oh, like a grape. Uh, so, I yeah, really satisfying. And then, of course, in two weeks or a week and a half, we get True Blood yep. coming back for its final season. Did I you watch up, the preview of that? Uh, no, I didn't watch the preview, I, 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 but uh, when I was at the conference, I, I, I was able to get a little on demand there and see um, catch up on the last season because I oh, stopped okay. watching. Uh, I was tired of the shaming going on in my home for, you watch this trash? Oh, sure. Oh, watch yeah. Little People, Big World. Uh, so they had a pretty good uh, preview I want episode. to marry Harry is on. Oh, yeah. by the way, there is justice. That was canceled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, the the, uh, the, um, the preview for True Blood was a really nice uh, all around the table. It was almost like um, I, I saw something similar with the Star Trek uh, cast uh, years later when they got them all yeah. together and talking, but they're all talking about how hard it is going to be to give up the show and what they, you know, how yeah. much they enjoy doing it. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this last season because it sounds like some of the craziness. I mean, yeah, there's I been some over the top craziness for the last. I two felt it seasons. got stupid, yeah. and then it, and then in the last season, the ne- the penultimate episode of the last season was when they said farewell to the cook. Um, the, the the war vet his right, funeral right and i found myself heart punched uh i found myself crying at all these memories and it was so well put together i'm like that's why i liked this show yeah when it started it was over the top but it was well written and then it stopped being well written for a while and then it and then it came back and that and that brought it back i'm like now i want to see what's going to happen to season six plus 
Plus, uh, if you caught the tail end when that group of v- of hep infected vampires come in, my buddy Derek Mears is one of them. So now oh, I have nice. to watch it because I, I, was like, I was like, wait a minute, is that Derek? Is that Derek? And I'm like, okay, you have a choice of two bald actors, and this pisses me off. <laughs> you have a choice of two bald, there's two bald vampires in there, and you put the, the one that I know, I'm sorry, hands down, it's loyalty, is the better actor, is the one in the back. It's like, you know, <laughs> and then he's not going to, so he better have a good part. That's all I'm saying. He better have a good part. Um, he should. So, uh, bald I, vampire number two. Hep V infected <laughs> Hep v vampire. Baldy. Although I'm going to say that's a plot problem. Explain it to me when they were, uh, and this is a year old, so this is no spoiler that when they were injecting the people with Hep V, when they were drinking the blood, when they were drinking the true blood that was infected with Hep V in the prison, right? They were dead within hours. So how can they be roaming the countryside? Not, not dead. dead. Yeah. So, and that's one of those plot flaws. As I'm teaching storytelling right now, I'm like, you know, every now and then you're going to have this thing where you go, if you think about it logically, you have to come up with your rules and you have to stick to them. You, but if you think, but but if you don't break the rules, it's like what you said with, uh, you know, it's the difference between the, Alien and Aliens. And what was the other movie we we, we were just talking about where where they solved the. The monsters became too easy to right, defeat. Right, right. I think I would contend it was uh, Darkest Night. Um, the the oh, bla- uh, black black Blackest Night, Blackest yeah. Night, and Green Lantern. Because you're, you're right, you're right. Um, but there was an Alien and Aliens. The yeah, first Alien is practically practically they start off unkillable. They start off so such that they they can't be done, and then at the end, there's like a horde of them coming down. And you're going mano and you go, mano, and they're they're like knocking them off one at a time. Yeah. You snap your fingers, they turn to yeah. dust. Well, they had the White Lantern then, so that's. Uh, Probably why, um, and now it doesn't fit. But I just want to say tomorrow, which means that by the time you do this podcast yesterday, perhaps her universe, which right now has been mostly Star Wars and Star Trek and Doctor Who, Ashley Eckstein's clothing, clothing and, line. and and uh, jewelry and all kinds yeah. of women, uh, will be announcing tomorrow uh, because they've sent the teasers out. They've got the Marvel license. Oh, There's going to be a whole line of stuff. So I actually spent some time like looking uh, on on the website for like you know stuff like. I wonder if my daughter would like something here. And there's a fantastic skirt for Tardis's uh, design with Tardis. And it's like, uh, my daughter might just get that for Christmas next year because it's cute. It's it's, uh, but it's not immodest, shall we say? It was just you know, I like the I like geek wear that looks both cool and could pass as something else. You know, I'm so. trying to think of the convention I was at that I think she was at Gallifrey last year. Oh, I know she was, and she's I, just charming. And, again, you want to talk about how fandom has changed. Ashley Eckstein is perfect proof of, just like uh, Felicia Day is, too, you know. But but Ashley Eckstein has gone out and started a clothing line and is like, she's a fan. You know, she absolutely is. So great for her. And just because it didn't fit, we go into games here. But this is a reversal. A game is being adapted into comics by Boom Studios. And it's a game that I wouldn't necessarily think should have a comic book. Except that I like the artist who's done. Uh, done He's done art. a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, because he does uh, um, Dork Tower, Dork Tower, which I love. Yeah. Um, which is that Munchkin is coming to Boom Studios, and so I'm going to bring the whole podcast back around to comics and go, <laughs> "What? I don't know." But I just wanted to, to point it out because I wanted to see your head explode because I know you're not a fan of Munchkin. Uh, you know, Munchkin is a social experiment. Uh, it's it's I, I, so it's cards against humanity. For well, that yeah, sake. no, I I don't disagree. <laughs> I just I just think that. Because you know who your friends are when you played cards against him. You do, <laughs> and you know, you know what you, see into you the know darkest what, pits of you your know friends what your souls. friends are. 
I know, I know. But Munchkin can either end super, super fast just because the wrong cards come out, or it can go on for frickin' ever. Kind of like Monopoly. Uh, All right. Yeah. Well... At any rate, uh, we do want to say uh, thank you for listening. We're coming to the this the end of our, of our news and conversation. Oh, right, sorry, I, let me say, you are correct. I think it will make a fine comic book with John doing uh, Kowalik. Yeah, okay. Uh, with him doing, oh, he's it. funny as heck. Hopefully, he's writing it as well as as. I uh, don't know. I just saw. I quickly saw the because Dork Tower this, is fall over funny. This has been a busy week for me. I haven't really been able to get too deep into things, so unfortunately, um, I'm. My day is supposed to lighten up next uh, next week sometime. Summer's supposed to start for me at some point after summer began. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, if you uh, are listening to this on iTunes, thank you. Please subscribe. Please rate us. Please tell your friends. You can listen to us on the Stitcher app. Uh, you can, of course, also listen to us at www.fanboyplanet.com. You can catch us on our own website where you see plenty of articles and connections to things. Uh, you may also stop there and see if you've heard about something on this that you'd like to purchase. Please do, we say, you know, support your local bookstore, support your local toy store if you can. Uh, if that's if that's what you've heard here, your local game shop, if, you want, if you're interested, what's this munchkin that Rick seems so ambivalent about? But Derek seems like he enjoyed it. I did enjoy it the one time I played it. Well, were you going to get that? Your local game shop. So go there. But otherwise, if you're not near any of those things, we will have those Amazon links because we are ambivalent about Amazon as well. But uh, we have those as well. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to kick over some money, and I want to thank, uh, thank a listener, Philip Klein, this week, uh, did uh, donate on PayPal. Oh, excellent. Uh, so Woo-hoo. you got a very, yeah. So Nate, do you have a song for Philip? It, uh, thank you, Philip. Yeah, I don't recall the uh, German word, but he was the one who wrote in and suggested the oh, German word for, for the, 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 the sensation the, of watching the FedEx uh, truck, truck not stop at your house. house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so who's married to a German woman? So he's got authority there. Excellent. Um, so we thank you. And uh, so this episode was sponsored by Philip Klein because Excellent. he... Yeah, you've done it enough for a, f- a couple of months of hosting. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, cool. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you can make a donation on PayPal. And so we thank you. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticism, what else? Commentary. Commentary. Right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We'll be gathering again uh, sometime within the next week to talk. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Dave Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only, only for good. good. Cool. Food. <laughs> boy! Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you. It basically has every Millerverse character on it. Well, okay. I have the right-hand side with characters running up the wall. Okay. All right. This isn't one of those things where, and sometimes in the back they have the co- the other yeah, covers. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look here. Um, Whoops, uh-oh. we lost Nate.
It's reconnecting. We're okay. And now we're connecting. I find that so disturbing. Nate? Are you back, Nate? Voice call, Nathan. You guys there? Yeah. yeah. It didn't even ring. Yay. Okay. okay. We lost you. Well, yes. Yeah. So I looked up yeah, that gatefold. The, the Lionel U uh, alternate covers that form the big thing. That's not the one I got. I got the uh, Duncan Fregredo. But there it again. I don't know why I missed this in the first place. I made that pause because that big gulp is killing me. Um, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> be ready Start for what's in the bag. Break? That's hardly an endorsement we can use with 7-Eleven. No. He, Are you kidding? <laughs> is he taking a pee-pee break? Because I'll take a pee-pee break. He's taking a pee-pee break. Yes. All right. I'll be back, too. All right. I'm going to read comics. <laughs> okay. Now I'm running. 